Amen. How are we doing? Good. Um, it's a little dimmer up here. Our lights aren't working, so you'll just have to feed off of our glow this morning. Um, but anyway, uh, glad you could be with us today. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer, and it's a great honor to get to introduce uh, a new friend of mine, Ronnie Martin, who is a, a pastor at uh, Substance Church in Ashland, Ohio. Ohio. I can't say words today. Uh, also a member of the Sojourn Network that we're all a part of. And so uh, his wife, it's like our weekend with the Martins. His wife, Melissa, was uh, speaking for the women at the women's retreat this weekend. Now we get Ronnie here uh, this morning. We're grateful to have him. And uh, I'm, so I'm excited for you to get to hear from him today. I'm going to read uh, just our passage here, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. I invite you to turn there with me and stand with me for the reading of God's word. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, just thank you for, for our, our brother Ronnie here. Uh, thank you for the blessing of getting to uh, even personally get to spend time with he and, and Melissa this weekend. And, and just for the blessing of having him here with us as a, as a body today. Lord, we pray that you speak through him powerfully. Lord, open our hearts to hear your word um, as he speaks. And Lord, uh, would you have your way with us today? Pray this all in Jesus' name. All God's people said... Amen. All right. Thanks, brother. Morning. Well, that's a lot of Martin for you guys this weekend. Um, first my wife and now me. And, that, and that's the reason why I'm here. Like uh, Chris just pointed out, my wife uh, was here speaking uh, to the women. And, um, you know, it was funny because yesterday at some point she, uh, or it was the day before, she sent me this picture of this like, this 75-foot like charcuterie board. So I'm like thinking, man, I'm going to come in this morning, and I wonder what kind of charcuterie board they're going to have for me, and there was no charcuterie, brother. I mean, that's how you roll with the guests. No expectations when you come to my place now, so, so that's, that's, uh, that's going to be great. But yeah, we're just getting to know the Jones. Like he said, we're part of the Sojourn Network, and man, we've, we've seen these guys, and we've crossed paths, and um, it's, uh, it's been great getting to know them. And you know, it's funny, because when you hang out with pastors a lot, like the default is always to talk about like ministry and you know seminary and all this really like you guys are already like bored even hearing me say those things and uh, but but you have these kind of default things you talk about and I'm always thinking like man what you know is there something else that we can like you know our our hearts can be united on and so I'm thinking about Chris and I know he's a sports guy and then he lays out to me you know I'm a Yankees fan and I'm like well, I can't even do I mean, my dad was a Dodgers fan I can't even do anything with that you know I I can't be all about the Yankees. And then I get, this, I get another text from my wife yesterday, and she literally says this. She said, Jones are watching Downton. <laughs> and I went, best friends forever. There it is. <laughs> We're all in. We're all in with the Jones now because uh, of Downton. You, they, don't, they literally don't even know what I'm talking about right now. 
but it's great. So I was talking to Paul, the guy with the orange Gretsch, you know, before, as he was, after he was, after he was done with, uh, with worship this, uh, the, the, just a few minutes ago. And he goes, hey, you're, he goes, you're, you're doing two services, right? And I said, well, I will see after the first one. I don't know. I, I, was, I was told I was going to do two, but uh, you never know how this is all going to go. Well, Chris just read our passage, what we're going to be talking about today, just for a few brief minutes. Don't you love when a pastor says few brief minutes and then lies to you and preaches for an hour and a half? This will be brief. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to assure myself and you of that. But we're going to be talking about really what God had in mind when we actually gather together as the church. Do you ever, do you ever wonder that? Do you ever wonder, like, what are we doing on Sunday mornings, this repetition of coming together and gathering on Sunday mornings. And then if you guys do small groups or community groups, gathering in the middle of the week and all of these gatherings we have, do you ever, do you ever wonder what the end game is and why God has called us to gather and what we are intended to be uh, for one another? And I think the passage that uh, Pastor Chris just read from Ephesians 4 uh, helps us with that because every time you walk in the door, of whatever gathering that you're a part of, you're faced with challenges, right? And you're faced with questions. And you're constantly, if you're like me, thinking, what am I going to do? What will I do? What will you do? Will you just gut it out this week or this morning? Will you just get through whatever it is that you're trying to get through? And then it causes you to wonder things about God. Even though you might ascend to certain intellectual truths about God, we wonder things in our heart about God. Is God standing off in the distance? Is he just waiting to see what we're going to do? Or is, in a lot of ways, has he already provided us with with what we need? So when we read Ephesians 4, uh, 11 through 16, we see a few things. We see that, that this intention of God is that we grow under his word we do it with one another to be built up in love and maturity. And so we're kind of given a template here in Ephesians 4 uh, for maturity and for being built up and for doing it together so that we get an understanding of what God's aim is for our life, which is maturity and the grace that he's given us with one another in these gatherings to grow in maturity for the good of, of you and for the good of your church family, and ultimately for God's glory. So there's a call for Christians, for us, for you and for me, not to be in perpetual milk-drinking mode. Do you know what I mean when I I say that? But, But to mature into eating solid foods. And that's so that our spiritual mind and our muscles, they, they're developing into something. They're developing into godliness. So God called the church to be the place for that to happen. He called Redeemer to be that place for this to happen to you in your walk with Jesus. And that's because this is just not an individual sport. Like I'm the least sporty guy in the world. When I was looking at my notes, I realized I have all these sports analogies. So uh, somebody back home would be like super proud of me if they knew that, but they're not gonna get to hear this, so you can enjoy that. But Christianity is not an individual sport, right? It's a team sport. Your growth and your development in Christ, it's good for not only you, but for the entire body because you're joined together. So you guys know this, any athlete who plays their own game never benefits the entire team. So by looking at me, this is going to be a shock for some of you, but I actually played varsity basketball uh, in high school like five years ago, right? And um, you, you know, it's insulting that you laughed like when I said that. Um, of course, you wouldn't be so shocked after I told you it was a small Christian school and it was a team of seven, 
all right? They just needed dudes, right, to, to be on the team. But we had these dudes on the team who never passed the ball, right? They never passed the ball. And you know what was crazy about it is they, they were good, and they usually scored a few points. But the season that I was on the team, uh, we, went, uh, we went zero for 12 on that one, right? We, we always lost the game, but we always had these dudes that scored a few points. Which guy was I? I was number seven on the bench. Um, so I didn't even have the opportunity to, to hog that ball. But in the same way, God has given us the church, not as something that we just hold really tightly to ourselves, but to grow together with one another in unity, in maturity, and in love, using our gifts to build up one another. So how does that building process happen? What, what does God intend when you guys have all these gatherings? Well, if the first thing is that to grow under God's word, Chris just read uh, verse 11 in chapter 4, when he said, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So the Bible presents us with a succession of those God has called specifically. You have them to instruct you in God's word because the word of God becomes positioned and it becomes immersed in our lives through preaching, right? We can kind of visualize it like this, like kind of digging a hole, pouring in cement and putting a wood post down in it, right? If you guys have ever done that, I don't do that. I pay people to do that, right? But preaching is like the cement around the post, if you can think of it that way. It secures it. It secures it against weather and weight and wear and tear. And actually, Paul gets real practical in Romans when he says this in Romans 10. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Right? He's kind of, he's kind of making a, a case for preaching and teaching. He said, and how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Is what he says. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I have no idea how beautiful Pastor Chris's feet are. It's a metaphor, all right? But what happens here is that God opens our hearts to the truth of his word through the preaching of it. You guys are like, Martin, I know, I hear this every week, but the gospel is a message, right? The gospel is a message that has to enter our heads. It has to drop to our hearts, and then it's able to come out of our hands. That's why sitting under gospel-centered preaching, which is what you guys have the privilege of doing every week, is so important. It's the bedrock for your spiritual, for my spiritual maturity. But again, the word is not meant to simply sit on us, but it's meant to settle in us. So if you have a garden, if any of you garden out there, and you just water the leaves of your plants, they're not going to grow, right? You need to water the soil so that the roots can drink it in and the plant experiences some growth. Like another way to say it is this, when my wife cooks an incredible meal, or to keep it in context, when she lays out a charcuterie board that I didn't get the benefit of enjoying here uh, this weekend, but when she does that, like we don't just sit down at the table and stare at its beauty for an hour. I ain't got that kind of patience, right? Um, man, we eat it. And if you knew us, you would know I didn't even need to say that because we eat, right? So preaching is the method God has chosen to feed us his word. And by the way, what's so crazy about it, especially given our cultural moment, is that it's absolutely ridiculous. It's a foolish method. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, 
It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So Paul's all about preaching, and at the same time, he calls it folly. And in our day and age, I mean, good grief, preaching is more foolish than ever because it's not a discussion. It's not a dialogue. I'm not getting ready to ask you guys a question on how you felt about the thing I just said. It's not a discussion. It's not a dialogue. It's not Snapchat, right? It's not texting back and forth. It's this unique moment that's happening right now, for better or for worse, right? Uh, Where God's word is opened, God's word is spoken, and those words do something. Those words begin a process of spiritual surgery on your heart and on your mind. That for 30 to 40 minutes, it doesn't allow you to argue back, right? You know what I mean when I, when I, when I say that? It doesn't allow you to argue back. It's kind of like this. Nobody who goes under the knife during surgery like starts arguing and debating with the surgeon, right? So if you've ever been in surgery, at some point you don't wake up and go, hold on, like, wait up, buddy. Like, I don't like the way this is all going down, you know? I've kind of had a thought, right? I, I kind of think you should use these tools instead of those tools over there. Um, I mean, if we did that, you, you know what would happen, right? We'd start picking the, the prettier, less pointed, less sharper instruments. But no, we don't, we don't do that. That would be foolishness. We let a surgeon use what he needs to use. Why? Because she knows how to best heal us. And although it may hurt, ultimately it's helping us. And this is similar to the process that happens as you sit under the preaching of God's word as a way to be built up. So preachers and teachers of God's word, they need to say what it says, just like a surgeon needs to use the tools that will be most effective for healing, because hearers need the equipping. Hearers need the building up that the preaching of the word provides toward maturity. So the Bible equips your mind and heart for the spiritual battles of life that you're engaged in, as well as giving you the confidence and the maturity that God is working even when it seems like everything else is working against you, real or or perceived. Again, Paul told Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 4, he said, look, buddy, he said, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Do it with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truths and wander off into myths. So there's like a great danger that Paul was talking to Timothy about that is is no less for us today, right? So sitting under gospel preaching, it equips us for ministry, for the building up of the body. In other words, none of you can be on mission if you don't continuously get reacquainted with what the mission actually is. And we constantly need to be reminded of that, what the mission of the church is and what we're ultimately moving towards. So Paul is saying we grow under under God's word, but then he also says this amazing thing. We go back down to 12. He says we do it with God's people. So in verse 12, he says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body 
of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now again, I told you this was going to be brief so we don't have the 57 hours it would take to unpack that crazy passage, but we grow under God's word and we do it with God's people. So we didn't just say, you know what, man, I want you to take a journey out into the middle of the Ozarks and like figure this out by yourself. He says, I want you to get together with people to attain that unity of faith, to build that knowledge of Jesus, to allow that to increase, to attain to this mature man and womanhood, reaching the stature that will form in you the fullness of Christ. So the Apostle Paul is speaking about us. He's speaking about us as the church together, becoming like Jesus. I'm so glad I don't have to become like Jesus on my own because you know why? I don't know if I'm becoming like Jesus if it's just me. And then being renewed into the image that we were created in. It's amazing that he's doing that in you right now as you're sitting in those chairs, right? So as a church, we should be more like Jesus. So let me say it to you like this. As Redeemer, you should be more like Jesus this time next year than you are today. Now, sometimes it feels like, oh man, one step forward, two steps back, but God is still doing that work in you as a body, as God's people. And there should be a level of growth that gets attained. Why? Well, because the Word of God is actively sharpening you, and He's doing it in the love of God for one another and for the world. So you have to take stock. We always have to be taking stock of where we are and how God is growing us. And again, that is why you do the things that you do here. That is why you gather together as often as you do all of this gathering around God's word. All of that has been put into place so that you might be complete and equipped for every good work, as Paul told Timothy as a way to attain maturity. And, and you know, what's amazing about the churches that we're a part of in Sojourn Network is there's so much opportunity to do that, which is why I would urge you, why I would encourage you this morning to not miss what God has provided for you here. Because really, we live in an era where never have there been so many opportunities for growing together with God's people. I think what we struggle with, and by the way, this is what the church has always struggled with, is desire to utilize those opportunities, right? I mean, even just besides God's word, we have so many resources. I checked out your books. I vetted your bookstore back there. Everything looked square, right? So I'm not gonna come down on Jones about any of that, Um, but everything looked awesome. So many amazing resources, authors, And you got all these great books. We have all these great studies designed for us to mature in unity and knowledge together with God's people. And yet, this is where I find myself is that with the wealth of all of the resources and the opportunities, man, it's almost like I'm just, I'm so inundated with these things. I just, I I almost back away. I'm almost, I almost become uninterested because there's so many options. I almost become like so impressed, like Another book by Paul Tripp. I mean, you know, what do I need to do with that? You know, instead of thinking of the wealth within this particular era that we live in that God has given us, I find that I'm drawn to so many other things. My mind is constantly being bombarded by so many other things, what Paul actually calls civilian pursuits. You ever feel that way? Man, I always feel like I'm cramming things into an already crammed mind to an already heart that's full of all of these good things. But in a lot of ways, it's like preparing kids for adulthood, right? This is what Paul is 
driving at here? You know, because a good parent, if you're a parent or a good teacher, what is the aim? Well, the aim is always maturity, right? You want your child at five to be what five-year-olds are and at 10 to be what 10-year-olds are and, and so on and so forth. Some of you, man, are new Christians, right? And so new Christians, man, this is your time to drink a lot of milk, to just get the foundations of the gospel and Christianity and to understand the love that Christ has for you and had for you through his atonement. I mean, you need to hear those things a lot. And even if you've been a Christian for 40 years, you need to hear those things a lot. But as a new Christian, you're developing your understanding of God's word. You're getting to know the character of Jesus. Every time Pastor Chris is up here, what's happening is that you're getting another glimpse of the character of Jesus. And you're getting that glimpse collectively with God's people as you're growing under God's word. But here's the thing. Some of you have been believers for years, right? You're 5, 10, 15, 20 years old in the faith, but you kind of still walk around like you're drinking milk out of a sippy cup, right? It just got quiet when I said that. But it's time for some of you to start eating. It's time for some of you to grab that charcuterie board, right? It's time for some of you to start digesting that solid food. It's time for some of you to be built up to new levels of maturity and to see the brothers and sisters that are around you as part and parcel of that process to encourage you, right? To be built up in maturity, which is what Paul says here in 14. He says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So this is a warning here saying, hey, there is junk out there. There is stuff out there. You have to grow into this level of maturity. You need to be built up into a level of maturity so that you can war against the things that are trying to bring you back and trying to drag you down and trying to keep you at an infantile level of Christianity, right? So Paul, what he's doing here is he's speaking about false teachers pushing doctrines, pushing beliefs that clearly go against the word that we have from the apostles, prophets, teachers, and evangelists. So there's a warning here that says as we grow in our knowledge and understanding of God's word, man, at the same time, what happens there is that we're not going to be so easily drawn to those who try to manipulate the truth and try to deceive us. So a mature Christian is one who is grounded and becoming more grounded, unlike children who are merely tossed to and throw to uh, to and, and fro, and you know, so when you think of a kid, all right, you think of someone who is a little more susceptible to things than an adult, right? You think of somebody more susceptible to deception. You think of somebody who lacks discernment. And when I say discernment, what do I mean? Well, I mean I really mean wisdom. And when I say wisdom, what I mean by that is the ability to apply God's knowledge to our lives, right? So in other words, follow me here. When Adam fell, sin created faulty discernment in us, meaning we don't always make choices that please God. And then when we do make those choices that don't please God, um, they create negative consequences for us. So when we go all the way back to the garden, to creation, the fall means that we are susceptible now to being deceived. And every time we sin, every time you sin, every time I sin, it's deception, right? We have conceived a thought. We've chosen a belief. We have performed an action 
that doesn't please God. All right, so God's word in us is the only way to change what comes out of us. And that's what Paul is driving at here. So spiritual maturity means we're growing past childish ways that lack discernment and stability. And one of the things about kids is, man, you you can kid with them, right? There's nothing more I like about kids than being able to kid with them, and they'll believe you, right? Why will they believe you? Because they lack discernment, right? Now, my daughter Beth, she's 24 now, but when she was young, sometimes I'd, what I'd do is I'd bring home some helium balloons, and we lived in this condo that had like really high ceilings like this, but I'd bring home these helium balloons that would float to the top of these massive vaulted ceilings, and um, when she asked for me to get them down, which, you know, I mean, obviously not a man of great stature here, um, I told her that after she went to bed, I would fly up and bring them down. And up until like last year, she believed that that was true, right? She believed me. She lacked the maturity and the discernment to understand that I didn't have the gift of human flight, right? Are you saying it's okay to lie to my child, Ronnie? Well, not me. Chris told me it was okay to say that to you guys before the sermon. Uh, <laughs> talk to him. I'm going to be out of here this afternoon. So. But when it comes to matters such as faith and doctrine, right, it's, it's just not that cute, right? We have to be grounded in the words of Christ so that when people come peddling a different Christ to us, we know, right? Because how else will you know? Do you hear what I'm saying with that? How else will you know? How else will you know when you hear some cool-looking someone on YouTube preaching something false and dangerous and ridiculous, right? How else will you know when someone gives you a book by someone who's trying to deviate from orthodox traditions of the faith, things that we have held true for years, right? How else will you know unless you know the truth, right? This is why Pastor Chris labors to build you up in maturity and finally to build you up in love. Look what it says in 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. How does that happen? Well, he says it by speaking the truth in love, by growing up in Christ, by using our gifts toward building the body in love. So Paul tells us that truth spoken in love is the way, is the pathway to the kind of maturity that we are all aiming for as the body of Christ. A greater knowledge of God leads to a greater knowledge of self, which happens as we are built up in maturity and love. And he says this phrase, speaking the truth in love. And I'll I'll say this, like, I I know that we sure like to speak the truth, don't we? I mean, I like to speak the truth, whether I attach the in love part, that's another discussion for another day, right? But here's my question, is do we speak, do we do it as a way that shows care for the life and maturity of our brothers and sisters? That's what Paul is instructing us here. Do we receive it that way from them? In other words, do we invite people to speak the truth in love to us? Have you gone to your brother, sister, pastor recently and said, hey, tell me what you're seeing in my life. 
What, what am I missing? Is there something that you see in my life as we've walked together that I need to, to grow in? It's kind of a scary thing to ask. Like, that's not my favorite question to wake up in the morning and, like, approach my friends with. Tell me what you're seeing that's off in my life. Tell me where you see I need some improvement, right? Not a discussion I want to have all of the time, but Paul is saying this is how a body that is being grown together in maturity and knowledge of Christ, these are the actions, these are the practical steps that we're taking, and we have the safety to do it because we know the heart behind it is that we're going to build up one another in love. And then similarly, do you love others enough to do the same, right? Because a loving friend or a loving parent speaks the truth to the people they love. So my wife, Melissa, she will tell me, she'll say, you know what, pal? She'll say, I- I'm seeing some, some stuff. She'll say, I'm seeing some bitterness. I'm seeing some lack of trust in you. There's an absence of thankfulness and gratefulness that just seems to be kind of pouring out of you these days. And it is a mark of humility and maturity that I don't have many times to receive it instead of just, you know, roaring back at her like a hungry lion and say, how dare you, you know, the the whole thing, how dare you call me out like that, you know? Her love for me motivates her to speak truth so that I'm being built up in maturity and in love. And of course, there's, there's different ways of doing this, isn't there, for us as the body. Speaking truth isn't just calling out sin either. It's reminding people that God loves and cares for them, that God hasn't deserted them, that God is their help in times of trouble. So whatever, whatever gifts that you have been given by God are meant to be used to build up the body so that all the parts, all the parts that exist here at Redeemer are working together and they're functioning properly like we read in verse 16. Now, I don't have to know all the details about this church to know that there is so much giftedness in this church. I mean, I just watched your, your worship team. They crushed it. I mean, what, what, an, what an amazing worshipful experience. Men and women who know how to play their instruments, who sing in tune, and even if they didn't do it as well as they did, God is using them with the gifts that they've been given to build you up during this time in the week that is really important, which is our, our corporate gathering. What an amazing thing. So many of you with so many talents. And so as we consider being built up as the church in maturity and in love, building up one another with this greater knowledge of who Christ is, we also understand that it takes time and that there's a lot of patience from God that goes into this as we consider these things, right? You know, a a child isn't really able to use the potential of their gifts at two years old, right? There's a development process. Like, follow me here. At two years old, LeBron, I don't know how anybody feels about LeBron. I'm an Ohio transplant, so like, I don't really care that much. But I don't know, is there like an anti-LeBron thing going on here in Indiana? Did I, just, did I just step into a hole with that one? Well, let me talk about LeBron for, yeah, this guy's nodding his head over here. I'm going to roll with this anyway because I don't know the names of any other sports people but LeBron, all right? Um, this is what I do know about LeBron, even though I don't personally know LeBron, but if you're in Ohio, you act like you personally know LeBron, 
which is super offensive in some ways. So let me just say that I'm more with you than I am with them because I don't want to get killed, you know, uh, when I walk out this morning, after first service, obviously. Um, so at two years old, LBJ, you like how I did that? I shortened it. I'm, I'm in with the, the crowd with that one. LBJ already had everything in him to be the basketball player that he is. He did. At two years old, he did. But his playing wasn't helping anyone at two, right? Because he hadn't developed his skills. He hadn't grown to the height and stature that is necessary to compete and excel at the highest levels of the NBA. But all of the talent was still there, right? And yet, If he'd never set foot on a basketball court as he grew up, how would he have ever known, right? And what a lesson for us, because some of you are are like that. Some of you are like that here. The gifting is there, but you've not matured in a way or with time that is allowing it to grow in you and then build up the body around you. Some of you are not allowing this good teaching to equip you and to build spiritual weight and muscle. Some of you are still like a child in those ways. Some of you are still being carried by the wind of other doctrines. So the gifts God has given you, in some ways, they're, they're lying dormant, or maybe they're just lying underdeveloped, or maybe you're just still maturing as a new Christian. But our prayer, your prayer, is that God continues to grow. He reveals these things to you, and he gives you the desire and the heart to look around you and see those ways in which he has given you the grace of your talents and abilities and how you might be able to grace others through them. So here's what's interesting. When we think of maturity, right, this idea of being built up, about growing in spiritual maturity, about not being where we were, but progressing in our faith together in unity, when we think of maturity, our minds, our minds probably snap to, to younger people, to kids, right? Or to maybe to our kids, if you have kids. We always say, like, would they, man, would they just grow up already, right? I mean, you got like this three-year-old. Would they just grow up already, you know? But what's amazing, and this is what should give us encouragement this morning, is that God doesn't do that with us. God doesn't do that with us. So as Paul is talking about what it means for the church to be built up, he kind of gives us a template here for it. We also understand that God is patient with us and God is loving and he's kind and he's gentle and he's compassionate. Do you know that this morning? That if you're thinking about some of the ways that you haven't utilized your gifts or you're thinking, man, I just need to step up in some areas. Well, you know what's more important than that? What's more important than that is that you have a God who's looking down on you, not condemning you. You have a God who's looking down on you, and he's compassionate. He knows that you're slow. And you know what? He's a slow God. And your slowness is no match for his patience. And that's the encouraging thing about the God we serve, who, by the way, is the one who has given us the gifts that he's given us, whether they're lying dormant or not, or underdeveloped or not. And by his grace, all the pieces are in place for love and for maturity to be built up in you and to be built up in the people around you. Because when I look around the room, I see that everything here that is needed is available for this growing and this building up. It's represented right here. I mean, look around you, right? 
You are joined together with these people, these people that God purposely put you together with. And these people are your opportunities to love and to be loved. These people are the ones God has sovereignly put in your life for your maturity in the faith. Because we grow in God's word with God's people. Because an immature Christian, okay, is one who simply is not maturing in God's word. And to mature in God's word means that, I don't know, I went to seminary, so so follow me here, means you're in God's word. I don't know how to, I'm trying to make it more complicated than that, but I can't. Because if not, if you're not in God's word, right, how will you know who Jesus is? How will you know what Jesus is like? How will you remember the promises that God has for you? How will you know the gifts that you've been given? How will you know bad doctrine if you're not familiar with good doctrine? How will you speak the truth in love if you don't know the truth or have the kind of gospel love to speak it with? So here's how we end today. Let's no longer be children. Let's remember what Paul tells us in actually in chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, if you want to turn back to, to Ephesians 2. And he says this, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure This is you, the church, being joined together. This is you, the church, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So here we are, a holy temple. Here we are, the place where God dwells. Here we are, with grace that has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And that grace we've been gifted in God Man, it's inexhaustible. It just doesn't have a low tank. It just doesn't run out. So let's drink. You hear me? Let's drink from this inexhaustible fountain. Let's move together as a body. As Redeemer moves together as a body, my church will be moving together as a body, moving towards this measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And all the beauty that comes with that. And all the heavy lifting that comes with that. And all of the tiredness of soul and mind that comes with that. And then all of the new mercies and the grace upon grace that gets showered upon us with all of the striving that comes with that. Let's grow up. Let's grow up every way into Christ. Let's build one another up, and let's be built up together. You guys guys with me on that? Let's pray. God, I thank you for the privilege of being here with fellow brothers and sisters, this body that you are building up. And God, would you continue to build us up in maturity so that we might build one another up in love for the sake of the glory of Christ whose grace is an inexhaustible fountain. So Lord, as we're reminded of the ways in which we need to use the gifts you've given us, we also know that you're compassionate and patient. And this is a long view. This is a life approach 
for us, Lord, that we want to be transformed in our minds to be thinking about more than we did last week. So God, would you do that work in us? Would you help us, God, as we are weak people and we recognize our need for you and our need for one another? And so God, would you continue to give us that encouragement and that support and that building up? Thank you for Redeemer. Thank you for Pastor Chris and Crystal. Pray that you would put your hand over them as a church, that they would continue to grow in this maturity and in this love. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.